Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with uh, Ziggy Rodriguez yes, and Tom Dorian. Yes, sir. Hi, Tom. Present. Yes, sir. Uh, so, you know, Tom, we, we usually always start with a joke about Tom's hair. <laughs> yes. And so no, we you, just... You mean an homage. <laughs> yeah, an homage. We usually... I don't know if it's homage. I don't know what he puts in his hair, but whatever it is, it really makes it stand up and it's really pretty. So anyway, uh, I, I think it's great that he's here with his hair because it's oh, kind yeah. of like an epiphany, right? His, and this is epiphany. This is like, this is a great part of the Christmas season. Right. Y'all are wrong. And so uh, we're going to talk about epiphany today. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's like, it's funny because uh, I wasn't always the best of Catholics. I think a lot of people might be able to say the same thing. I'm not going to judge and point fingers, but I, I, as a younger man, I didn't really know what epiphany was. Sure. I, I don't know yeah. if I even called it that. I don't, it's like, well, weren't the three wise men already in the, you know, little manger scene that we set up in our house, the nativity set. So I didn't think much about it. And so if someone were to ask me, you know, if I had an epiphany or not, you know, I'd say... Uh, my mom had uh, one of those epiphany lamps. You know, those are yeah. kind of pretty, aren't they? All stained glass <laughs> stuff. Or or what is that big giant drum? Is that an epiphany? <laughs> no, it's a timpani, and I know it is. Don't write emails. But my point is, it's like it's something that we don't always, I don't know, we think about. We just, we just, we, we've, we're over Christmas, and we're thinking about New Year's and, and beyond and the, and the new year, and we come into the winter months, and we're kind of like done with this. And, and the reality is, the incarnation's not done. Mm. And that's why epiphany is so important. And I think as I got a little more mature in my faith, as my hair got a little grayer, I started to realize just how wise Mother Church is in having this season of epiphany. So we should work, because our show is airing here on epiphany, we should talk about epiphany and what that actually means. Um, the, the word itself comes to us from the Greek and the Latin and, and essentially just means to reveal, mm-hmm. right? And so the, the epiphany is essentially the, the revelation of God's plan of salvation, right? And that's why it's, it's tied. We have the readings about the Magi, about the, the three wise men that come from the East, because it's essentially they're, they're representing the world, the Gentiles. This is a, so epiphany is the manifestation, manifestation of the Christ Right, God's plan of salvation to the Gentiles, so that God didn't just come for this little group in in Israel. Right, they're the chosen people, but it was always intended that God's plan of salvation would be for the whole world. Mm. And so, Epiphany essentially is about uh, that plan becoming a, a, um, an incarnational reality. It's like, hello, it's time. You know, I'm doing it. And, and uh, you know, as we think about uh, Epiphany and, and what, we, uh, what we realize in Epiphany, we, we, we start to see how Jesus then um, was announced. Do you remember we, we've done a show on the Proto-Evangelium back in uh, Genesis chapter uh, 3, verse 15, mm-hmm. where right in the middle of God's admonition of the devil and of Adam and Eve for the first sin, mm-hmm. he, he announces this little plan of salvation. Right, and and that's it's called the Proto Evangelium because it's essentially the first gospel. Mm-hmm. Well, all the way back in in Genesis, right, that plan is is revealed 
2,000 years ago. Jesus came 2,000 years ago, and that plan was revealed there, which means if we're looking at the word epiphany, now we're starting to realize that epiphany is it's the act of sort of, of, of witnessing the revelation, of knowing of the revelation. Receiving it. Receiving the revelation. Mm-hmm. And so that's why epiphany is so important. It's kind of like, it's not, I know we mentioned in a previous show about giving like and presence and just by by its definition a gift is received yes right right so a gift that sits on the table that never gets unwrapped it's not exactly a gift mm-hmm. it's a potential gift right and so god's plan of salvation is a, poten- a potential plan until it's revealed and then we receive it mm-hmm. right and so that's what's so beautiful uh just about this concept of of the revelation a revelation I, I want to say the word right. <laughs> Revelation. Yeah. You just give me a second. It'll come. It'll yeah, come fair. to me. My, I, you know, so. Now, so I guess also for defining terms, we should also look at um, the word manifestation. Mm. What does that word mean? Because when we say manifest, what do we, you know, when Tom thinks it's like manning up, right? Like, Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You get this hair every day. You got to man up. Man. He said we're gonna have a man fest later. We're gonna have some beef jerky, watch some football, and but he's gonna growl and, and grunt and see him put, use his hair products. You know, he's got a very variety of hair products. Yeah. So, but manifestation essentially is 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 really the it's the abstract abstract made real, right? Made oh, yeah. present. That's I mean that's what a manifestation is. It's taking you know spirit into flesh, mm-hmm. right? Which is what. Christ in the incarnation did so, so, and then also I, mean, I guess we could we could we could sort of like realize that we are a union of of body and soul, and so it it, it just helps the epiphany is like it makes a reality of the of the spiritual um, undergirding of what's going on here, where God the incomprehensible one can now be taken in by the senses. Yes. It can now be received, can be known at least in that in some aspect and begin to be known by us. You know, a lot of times our separated brothers and sisters in Christ, our Protestant uh, friends, will uh, criticize Catholics for having things like statues. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting because they'll point to the um, Old Testament prohibitions for making graven images. But the reality is God, when when he took on flesh and dwelt among us jesus then the catechism tells us jesus gives us a new economy of images in other words Mm. we can draw a picture of god now because we've seen him right he has been revealed he is manifested well the question of who jesus is won't be fully answered until the last member of his body crosses over into the fullness of his glory you know each one of us is uh, called to be a face of Christ, and there's a variety and diversity in the in the body of Christ, and He can manifest in a variety of different ways and be received in a variety of different ways. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful and true. And again, it shows you that you, you we can always plumb the depths of our faith. Right? We can see things on this 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 sort of superficial level. And a lot of people, I mean, maybe me, I would admit in my younger days might've been a little bit more of a superficial Catholic. And I went to mass and I did the things and checked the boxes of the sacraments and all those kinds of things. But it's amazing how deep you can get. Oh, sure. And you start to realize that all this stuff is like woven together in, in a way that, uh, uh into a seamless garment, mm. you know, and that's, what's so beautiful. And of course, you know, the, uh, Jesus on the cross, you remember they had to roll dice for his 
tunic mm-hmm. because it was a seamless, seamless. garment, which is uh, it just to me, I love all the imagery that you start to go like, wait a second, seamless mm-hmm. garment. Our fa- oh, my goodness. And it's true that you can continue to to see those things. And then we have like what epiphany becomes is an aha moment. Right. God's revelation, the epiphany. It becomes like a light bulb moment. I mean, we've used those expressions before, mm-hmm. but essentially it's like you go like, oh, I get it. Right. And that, and that part to me is cool. Um, I see it especially, um, Tom, you went through my RCIA program one time. I did. And do you remember? Took uh, William with me. On, on, yeah, your son. It was neat to see the two of you yeah. there. Um, and, and, you know, throughout the room, there's usually between, anywhere between 35 and 60 people, 75 people there. And in that room, there are certain stages along the way. Mm-hmm. And different people will be affected in different ways, but they'll have these aha moments. Different times. And I can actually watch out there and see the light bulb just go boop, you know, or <laughs> boop, boop, somewhere over there. And maybe it's when I'm talking about Eucharist. Maybe when I'm talking about redemptive suffering, because that's something that they that they that, that touches on their 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 reality. Maybe when some, I, I'm talking about confession. Maybe when I'm talking about Mary, you know. And then maybe it's later when I'm talking about the sort of difficult moral issues that that we have to encounter in the world. And they suddenly see all of those other teachings. They're all inter- interconnected. And when they see that neural network of faith, like. Then all of a sudden, there's this aha moment, and I can actually see them. So, and they'll usually come up and say something like, "Okay, I'm ready." You know, it's like, mm-hmm. "Well, no, we still got six weeks left, or nine weeks, or whatever." No, 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 I'm ready. I'm in. <laughs> I am in 110. percent This finally makes sense to me. And when that happens, that's an epiphany. When God encounters each of us where we are to nudge us along to our next step, and if you think about the way it worked with. The uh, three wise men, they weren't Jewish. They didn't have the, the tradition of Messiah. They had their own cultural traditions. I mean, they were practicing astrology, which now is kind of forbidden, not kind yeah. of, is by the Catholic Church. But at the time, God stepped into their framework for understanding reality and making sense of the world around yeah. them. And he announced himself himself to them in a way that they were able to understand and they followed so good body and soul right Mm. we are body and soul and so god ministers to our soul through the physical realities of of our nature of who we are and where we are so using the stars to announce the birth of the child Mm -hmm. so they come to they follow that star it's a physical reality and it essentially becomes an epiphany and then they experience him in person that's right that's exactly right and then they go have a dream that says don't go back past herod (laughs) (laughs) you know so it's like amazing how the spirit and and uh and the flesh, uh, how God, how, how everything is united uh, in in a very profound way, and so Epiphany sort of like wraps a bow around that and helps us understand that when it comes to Christmas, right? Because all of a sudden we we start to go like, so Christmas is great, but it's not done yet, right? It's not done. We're not done, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people we've lost that reality, right? Uh, a lot of people don't realize the the song, the Twelve Days of Christmas starts on Christmas Day. Right. Mm. On the first day of Christmas, that's December 25th, folks. Right. So the, so the 12 days of Christmas does not lead up to Christmas Day. 
there's 12 days between Christmas and guess what? January 6th, the epiphany. That's going to be an epiphany in and of itself for a lot of our listeners out it there. It was for me when I was a lot yeah. younger, and I go like, whoa, what? Now that song makes sense. And then it's like, well, hey, that to me, uh, now I loved it. I embraced it because it's like, hey, that's 12 more days of celebrating. Right. <laughs> you know, 12 more days of, of, of singing Christmas carols right. and whatnot. So, so I enjoyed it, but it's kind of odd, though, when people see your Christmas lights still up, they think those people down there, they're lazy. They're just, look at them, we got the lights still up. And technically, it's actually past Epiphany, too. It goes all the way up to Candlemas or to for uh, Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, you know. And we realize that the Christmas season is long. Mm-hmm. It's a lot longer than we think it is, because usually December 26th, eh, we're done, you know. The half-off sales, let's celebrate New Year, but then beyond that, you know, it's not Christmas. But Epiphany, like, just, it's to me, it's like it, it sort of rewraps the present for me. Mm-hmm. You know, the gift is Jesus Christ, and it's like, now I understand him fully as the gift, not just the gift um, to me, but like to the whole world, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's what Epiphany is, and that's why that's so neat. And I think that what we should do next um, is talk about ways in which Christ is still revealed to us. Yeah. Because did it just happen 2,000 years ago? Is it done? Did he do do what he came to do? Did he come to to, do what he accomplished? It's like, it's all done. It's all finished. It's like, let's move on with our lives, folks. Nothing to watch here. Keep moving. And the reality is, no, there's there's something to watch. Mm-hmm. You need to stop and pause and ponder, and that's what we're going to do right after we take this break. Before we take that break, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. And if they were social media people. Uh, oh, then they should please look us up on Facebook, The Catholic Cafe, and also on Instagram and Twitter. And please follow us and also share our posts. Yeah, there you go. So, also, send me an email. Love to hear from you. Uh, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Throughout history, Catholics have contributed greatly to the development of society, promoting government based upon justice and the dignity of the human person. One prime example of a great church statesman was Stephen Langton, the Archbishop of Canterbury. Born in 1150 in Lincolnshire, England, Stephen studied theology in Paris. His piety and love of God won him the respect of other clerics, including the future Pope Innocent III. He was elevated to Archbishop of Canterbury in 1207. At that time in church history, the books of the Bible were not subdivided. Typically written in scrolls, the only separation would be a space at the end of each line of sacred text. Archbishop Langton divided the books of the Bible into chapters so they could be more easily referenced and studied. These chapter divisions are the ones still used today. With a strong personal devotion to the Holy Spirit, Archbishop Langton is also credited with authoring the prayer, Vini Spiritus Sanctus, or Come Holy Spirit, which is often part of the liturgy at Pentecost. This love of the scriptures and devotion to the Holy Spirit guided Archbishop Langton to have a profound impact upon the development of human rights. At that time in England, there was a great political crisis as the reigning King John had rescinded several of the rights granted to barons by his predecessor, King Henry I. 
Archbishop Langton led a group of barons in a struggle against the king. Furious with the archbishop's actions, the king declared anyone who followed the archbishop a public enemy. But the clergy of England, as well as the Pope, were fully supportive of Archbishop Langton. Several negotiations occurred among the parties to try and secure the rights of barons against the king. Ultimately, in 1215, Archbishop Langton led a council of churchmen in Westminster, which drafted the Magna Carta, the first great statement of individual liberties, which was ultimately signed by King John. This great statement of rights is the forerunner of other codifications of rights, including the Bill of Rights, which is part of the American Constitution. Archbishop Langton should serve as an example to Catholics in our modern day to study the scriptures, seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and stand up to oppressive governments to protect the rights of all persons. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I am Deacon Jeff, sitting here with Sam Ziggy Rodriguez and Thomas P. Dorian, and we are talking about Epiphany. Yes, we are. We are talking about God's revelation of His plan. How beautiful that we would know God's plan. Isn't that nice? I mean, because awesome. you start and think about it, because I, I know in my in my own household. Um, we wreak havoc when we don't know the plan. Well, I heard, it's a train wreck. <laughs> I, you know, one thing that comes to mind is I heard a talk on intimacy by uh, Matthew Kelly, a famous uh, Catholic speaker. I've never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things that he talks about is that authentic intimacy is about revelation. That's exactly it, right. Yes, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And so we know that God desires intimate relationship by the fact that He's revealed Himself to us. That's right. And that and exactly right. Uh, and and that's what we want in life to know is uh, is God. I mean, we think about you know the the, the scriptures give us that sort of that dire warning that. Uh, if we don't really have a relationship with Jesus, he will say to us, I never knew you, mm. you know, on the day of judgment. And that doesn't sound like a good day, right? That's so a bad one. That's a bad day. So we want to we know him. And what's so beautiful is that in Epiphany, we're not just celebrating an event that was 2,000 years ago. We're selling or celebrating an event or a concept that continues, right, that, that Christ reveals himself God reveals his plan continually to us, day in and day out. Jesus is still coming. Jesus is still coming to us every day. So uh, we could let's go through a list of ways mm-hmm. and maybe talk about some ways in which Jesus comes to us still, right, today. So one of those ways, I know for Catholics, we'd all go like, Eucharist, Holy Communion, not Jesus, we believe that, right? That's my sort of typical person. That's what they all sound like, apparently. <laughs> Bad imitation. Sorry about that. But the point is, yes, yes, that's what we, that's that's a way in which Jesus comes to us, right? He is manifested, right, by by his his the, the Eucharist is him. I love this moment uh, in the Mass when the words of John the Baptist are used at the end of after the at the end of the Eucharistic prayer. Right, and that's done, and then uh, we've done the Our Father, and then the priest holds up the host mm. and says, "Behold, the Lamb of God, 
Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. And it's just, I look at that and go, that's so beautiful. And what he's essentially doing is Christ is being manifested to us. Because he has come amongst us spirit and flesh. And that's why when we eat that sacred, consecrated bread, it is the body of Christ. Mm. Right? It, it is, it's not a, an image of Christ, a concept of Christ, a thought of Christ. It's not symbolic of Christ. It is Him. Mm-hmm. He has become manifest. And so every time we go to Mass, He has become manifest to us. Mm. And that's a way that a lot of people, we, we, we take that stuff for granted. And we don't mm. think about that. It's the miracle that He is making Himself It's another present. Christmas miracle. Yes. If you want a Christmas miracle, go to Mass. Every time you go to Mass, even on Easter Sunday, it's a Christmas miracle. Right. <laughs> you know? It's, sure. it's, it's, it's so beautiful to think about. So, yes, Eucharist. Now, another concept about Eucharist that's so neat uh, is just from the Christmas story, we know that Jesus was laid in a manger. And what is a manger? And the manger is the feeding trough. And so Jesus was actually born to be eaten. And so we see the manifestation wow. of, of, of God. You know, Jesus took on flesh while he was laid in a manger. And, and that's uh, St. Augustine was one who, who pointed this out many, many years ago, uh, that, that he has come to feed the wild beasts. Mm. You know, we're the wild beasts, and he essentially has come to tame us, you know, but feed us with his divinity mm. uh, is poured into us. And it's just that, that concept. And so it's like, but that requires manifestation. It requires epiphany. It requires God's revelation into the, the natural world, mm-hmm. the supernatural, the you know, that that's required that's part of it. You know, otherwise you're speaking conceptually. Right. And then Jesus didn't actually come. Right? Right. That's so that's one way in which he 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 still continues um uh to come to us every day. And so tied to that is the concept of the liturgy. So you go to Mass to receive the Eucharist unless mm-hmm. you're sick and maybe um, you know, a priest or a deacon or somebody brings you the Eucharist, and that's a beautiful gift. But typically, when we receive Eucharist, we're in Mass. Mm-hmm. And the the actual liturgy, right, the Mass itself is Christ's manifestation, Christ's presence among us. We come to worship, but to worship through, in, and with him in the liturgy. So all the aspects of the liturgy, the, the people gathered, Christ is present. The the, the, uh, the a catechism tells us that Christ is present to us in many ways, and one of those is in the gathering of the people, ecclesia in Greek, you know, the, the church mm-hmm. gathered together in worship, Christ is among us there. He's, he's, he's present to us in the priest, mm. right? He's present to us, so the priest is in persona Christi, right? right? The Latin, you were getting ready to say that, weren't I you, was. Tom? I was. You took the words right out of my mouth. Well, I'll let you have them back. <laughs> I just rewinded it, and so now you can say it. In persona Christi. That's brilliant, Tom, the Thank fact you. that you would come up with that. That's, that is beautiful. But so in that liturgy, in the priest, in the, in the very presence of what we do at church, Christ is manifest. Mm-hmm. It's Again, we're not here just in a symbolic way to make each other feel good, to sing some nice songs, hear some nice words. Those are nice things that happen at Mass. But we're here to have an encounter with the living Christ who continues to come to us. So that's why liturgy is so important. That's why those Catholics, you know, when you, when you go on a, a vacation and you got sort of mixed relations there you, in terms of like you got your Catholics and your non-Catholics going to the, the hunting cabin or the, the beach or whatever, it's like, why do those Catholics have to get up Sunday morning? Don't they know we're on vacation? They're going to Mass. 
You know, we're going to go when we go back. Well, what we believe about Mass and what others believe about Mass are different things. And when we see Mass as a manifestation of Christ, we start going, I need to go. I, I don't, you know, I can, I, there's still plenty of beach time or That's hunting true. time or whatever. I, I need to go. So another really neat way in which Christ continues to be manifest to us is in marriage. And this one's neat because if you stop and think about it, like so in a husband and wife, in the spouse, if you think about it, Jesus actually says in the Bible that no one in heaven is married or given unto marriage. He says that to the Sadducees when they're trying to trip him up. And he says, no one in heaven is married or given unto marriage. And you think, like, wait a second. I'm married here. Does that mean I'm not married to my wife anymore in heaven? And rather than say, no, you're, you're given a pass. You, have, you, can, you can leave her behind or whatever. No, it's not that. It not, it has nothing to do with your relationship here. It's, it's that when our marriage, essentially, as the church teaches it, is a foretaste of our relationship with God in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so what marriage actually does, so what your encounter with your spouse is, is what your relationship will be like. You're married to God in heaven. And so mm-hmm. you won't need to be married to your spouse because your spouse essentially is a stand-in for God. So your spouse, then, is a way in which Christ is manifest in your relationship. When Tom, when you look in Cindy's eyes, mm-hmm. you should see Jesus Christ. You should see God Almighty, mm-hmm. right? And when she looks in your eyes... Or in his hair. <laughs> notice the pause. Well, okay, yeah, 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 she looks at his hair. But, but, that's, but that spousal relationship. So in marriage is a way in which Christ becomes manifest to us. And then I think the last one I would mention is that Christ becomes manifest in you, Sam, mm. and in you, Tom, mm-hmm. right? And in, in our own transformation, and we become, like, we become Christ to others, the words that we speak, if, we, if, the, if the Spirit rests upon our heart and the Spirit comes upon us, Right, we we essentially become uh, uh, Christ-like, and our message, the message of Christ, just pours out of us, mm-hmm. right? And see, people can look at us, and they can have the aha or light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. Well, they should, right? And we don't always do that, but mm-hmm. we we should do that. Well, it depends on our availability to His promptings and our willingness to respond to them, even when it might make us look silly or foolish. It might call us out of our comfort zone, but if we're willing, if we if we he said that his sheep would hear his voice. If we're his sheep, we'll hear his voice. And if we give our yes and we respond to the promptings, manifestations can happen. Yeah, beautiful. So the whole idea of this idea of epiphany is that we, uh, we have an epiphany. And when we have an epiphany, it doesn't stop there. The first epiphany didn't stop Christianity. In fact, it caused it to flourish. And our epiphany should cause Christ to flourish amongst us, our relationships, our friends, our families. So everyone out there, have an epiphany. Mm. And keep having an epiphany. Amen. Let's pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now and at the the hour hour of our death. death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.